hold on to me as we go As we roll down this unfamiliar road And although this wave is stringing us along Just know you're not alone Cause I'm gonna make this place your home Good morning Hamilton, this is Rob Golfie with Remax Escarpment, the Golfie team Welcome to the Hamilton Real Estate Show with Rick Zamprin and Phil Golfie. And Dan Guest from Guest Plumbing is in studio with us as well. It is June, and of course I have a cold, so it kind of goes hand in hand, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, this is the most ironic thing. Uh, listen, we have lots of uh, stuff to talk about today. Uh, we're going to talk about buying an older home, and there are some pros, and in some cases there are some cons to doing that. We'll get into that. Uh, four luxury listings that uh, are being offered, well, not necessarily offered, but might entice one Kawhi Leonard to stay in Toronto. Of course, the NBA playoffs kicking off on Thursday night. Game two is tonight in Toronto. We'll also talk about uh, real estate agents revealing the worst parts of their jobs. Uh, there's some good things, but yeah, there's some things like any job that uh, realtors aren't a big fan of. We'll get into that as well. You can always go online to robgolfi.com. That is Rob, G-O-L-F-I.com. Call them anytime at 905-575-7700. That's 905-575-7700. At Rob Golfi on Twitter and Instagram. Be sure to like the Rob Golfi Facebook page as well. And download the Hamilton Real Estate Show podcast wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Let's dive into topic number one. Recent article in, uh, I believe it was the Toronto Sun, from Tim Hudak, who's the CEO of the Ontario Real Estate Association. Uh, and we're not going to talk about anything new here, but I find it interesting that, you know, with a federal election coming uh, this October, that Mr. Hudak uh, feels compelled to write uh, uh, uh an opinion piece or at least an article on some of the new things that he wants to implement here in this province. And he says the rules haven't been refreshed since 2002 when internet listings were uh, a new development and paperwork was sent via fax machines. So from 2002 to 2019, I mean, we're in a different world in the real estate sector now, right? Yeah, I wasn't, you know, operating and working in 2002. But when I, from my experience, when I first started in comparison to, to older people on our team and just comparing in terms of how we operate our, our businesses, it's completely different where, you know, my processes are, are, are all electronic, whereas theirs are still old, you know, paper-based, um, you know, signatures and, and, and that, you know, kind of practice. So I think it's in terms of developing the new education systems and being able to implement and teach new ways for younger realtors in terms of how to operate their businesses is, is you know, very important. And I think it comes back to the, the ease of getting the license. It's not that you want to make it hard and, and you don't want people to get their licenses. I think it's it's making sure that the, the right steps or the right processes are in place so that when people graduate or come out of the program, they're prepared to be able to, to assist and be a part of and be a professional when it comes to supporting somebody in the biggest purchase or, or sale of their of their life. And I think, you know, there's been many incidences and stories and, you know, you know, articles about people's wrongdoings in the real estate transaction where it kind of tarnishes and, and hurts the realtor name. And I think, you know, he's there to protect that name and, and make sure that, you know, 
we're hold to the utmost professionalism when it comes to to operating as a realtor. So I, I I think he has the right intentions. I think he's you know he's he's here to protect us. He's here to help us, um, and he's here to to make sure that if you are operating under the realtor name and are operating as a as a professional real estate agent, that you you know have the backing of the education and, and you know you're 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 held accountable to the standards that people expect when it comes to that name. So it, I think it's, I, I think it's important. I know there's a lot of people in this industry that, that will tell you it's, it's very easy to get your real estate license. It's, you know, as of right now, um, I'm not sure when, when the actual rules come into effect in terms of it changing, but when I went through the system, it was five tests and, you know, I was able to, to buy and sell real estate. So it's, it's a little bit different. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm happy to see where it's going. Um, obviously there's a little bit more barriers to entry when it comes to getting your real estate license now but i think in the long run um this will benefit our entire industry would you have described those five tests as grueling could really anyone do it i mean there's <laughs> or could could anyone pass it yeah I, I don't know i i so for me i went to university and i came right out of university and wrote the test right away so i still had all the the study habits i still had you know you know i was used to reading textbooks i had the you know the you know it was it was it wasn't easy, but it was. I had to study. But for somebody who's been out of a classroom or been out of a study environment for 10, 20 years, I can see them having a, a difficult time in, in terms of retraining themselves how to memorize and how to read, you know, and how to follow a textbook and, and, and you know, be used to that testing, right? Um, but, you know, there is a failure rate. I'm not sure what it is. But, yeah, you know, there, there are people who, who will start their real estate courses and, and can't get through them because they're failing. And I just, in my opinion, I think it's due to a lack of, good study habits when it comes to being able to force yourself and sit down and, and read. And that comes with anything, right? If if you don't have a genuine interest in what you're doing, it's going to be hard to study it. So, I mean, if you were to ask my honest opinion, I think it was pretty easy. But keep in mind, I grew up in the business, whereas a lot of the key terms and a lot of the jargon I was fam already familiar with because I was around it my entire life. Um, whereas somebody who's you know doesn't have that background or is coming from a different environment or you know perhaps maybe a, a medical field or or another field and wants to get into real estate they're gonna have a lot more difficult time and and just learning the key terms and the key words and the definitions and and you know it's a lot hard to understand and grasp the concept of of the uh, jargon of of real estate one of the interesting things that he writes is that when it comes to getting a real estate license uh, the province is proposing to ensure new students receive more practice ready education and take harder exams which you've alluded to but here's the interesting part once students get their license they'll stay sharp with tougher continuing education as well so do you anticipate you yourself or rob or other realtors to continue to go through some sort of course yeah i mean i think i think it's going to be more of a college program where it's more hands-on okay instead of more for example, right now you do all the studying on by by yourself, um, and you're not in a classroom environment. Um, you could definitely choose a classroom environment, but you know there's there's the correspondent. But you know, from my experience, I learned more in the first you know two and a half months of being on the team than I did in those five or six months I did reading the textbook. Right? It's it's and maybe that's just the way I learned. But you you learn by by practicing and being around in an environment that is actually working in the field and doing it than you would. In a classroom, I mean, Dan, in terms of his practice, I think he can attest to that as well. You know, you would have to go through the theory side of things and then you, you get into the plumbing aspect of things. You learn more actual, you know, doing doing it. Yeah, the hands-on side of, uh, of any industry, I think, is is where you can really accelerate your knowledge and your learning, learning capabilities. 
Um, but it also comes with the backing of, you know, the language and the understanding of the textbooks and, you know, why you're doing the things that you're learning in the field, whether it be real estate or plumbing or, or medical. Yeah, it certainly goes hand in hand. I mean, the more you do something, the better you're going to get at it. Uh, you might find some shortcuts or some efficiencies. There's no different than, you know, in any field. Uh, one of the other things, or two of the other things that Hudak uh, touches on is uh, the escalation clauses and uh, double ending or, or, or having real estate professionals represent more than one party in a particular sale. And, and you guys have some opinions on that as well. Yeah, we, we don't see too many of the escalation clauses in, uh, in, in particular in our market. I know they're you know, quite popular in, on the Toronto Real Estate Board, and that's kind of where, the, the, you know, the, where it derives from. Um, from my experience, I've never seen an escalation clause in any of my agreements of purchase and sales. Um, so it should be interesting. I, I, you know, that won't affect us as much as it would, you know, the GTA. Um, and then secondly, the double ending, you know, I understand there's, there's reasons why, you know, this, they, they want to protect the home seller when it comes to this. And, and like I said before, you know, there's been incidences and examples of people taking advantage of a seller or people taking advantage of a buyer to, you know, obtain a purchase price or obtain a sale that, is isn't you know isn't favorable to to one party and and not not favorable but is is completely out of the ordinary so it's um you know i think everybody needs that protection and everybody needs needs you know proper representation and and that double lending side of things you know uh, you know sometimes compromises the ability to 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 give that proper representation so you know We'll we'll see you know what his plan is for that. Um, I know the way our team operates, as we as we might you know within our own team we might represent the buyer and the seller at the same time, but we would definitely have two different agents representing each party. So, um, you know we're able to do that because we have a big team and and we have um, different people that are able to represent the buyer and the seller. But if you're an individual agent, you know perhaps it would be a, a situation where they would have to get somebody else from their office to make sure that you know, each party's given proper representation. And just back to the escalation clause, is that a, um, how does that work? Basically, is there an offer that's put in and then you can top the offer and continue to top the offer? Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. So it's basically a clause that states, you know, we will go up in price if another offer beats ours. Hmm. So, you know. Is it, there usually a cap? Like, you know, <laughs> capping at yeah, five offers yeah. or? No, yeah, there's a cap and, and you know what I mean? Like it doesn't, it, the clause doesn't make sense to begin with. Right. right? It seems like an auction. Yeah. And I think, you know, yeah, it's basically what it is. I think once you see that clause within the agreement of purchase and sale, it's like, well, you know, the seller's going to read it and say, well, we want this guy to come up more, right? Basically saying they're willing to come up more money than what's stated on their agreement. So, right. you know, who knows, right? It's, it's, I, I, if I was a purchaser, you know, representing a buyer, I wouldn't, I would not put that clause in. I think, I think you lose your negotiation leverage. I think you lose, um, it just doesn't make sense, right? It seems like you would scare a lot of people away. Yeah, too. so it, it's I, I I mean I'm not too too familiar with it. I, I understand what the clause is and what it states, but I haven't seen a situation where I would be able to use that clause and mm -hmm. put it in put it in my offer. Yeah, just a question for Rob because you know you've been around the block for a while now and you've seen the old technology and what you used to have and now all this new stuff. How has that transition been over the last two three decades? Well, the the escalation clause did come out. Uh, I think this was probably about uh, maybe eight, eight to ten years ago that I remember seeing that. I, I even have it. And uh, it, it, it came out and it died fast because right. it, there's no winner. And just like Phil said, you know, the, uh, obviously there's more money. 
So uh, the ones that we had were like, we will top whatever the highest offer is. If it doesn't exceed, you know, whatever, let's say the asking price is 500 and they, they, they go in at 520 and they said, well, we will top, uh, we'll go $1,000 higher than the, the best offer if it doesn't exceed five, like 550. Well, mm-hmm. what we should have got 550 right. from this you're guy. You're showing right? all your cards, right? Yeah, you're showing all your cards. So it, it's, it's, it's hard. And then you could, you know, I mean, it, it's, I think it becomes more uh, unethical if we do have an escalation clause. Uh, mm-hmm. It'll be very unethical uh, unless everybody sees everybody's cards on the table right. and say, hey, so that, that, you know, and, but you don't want other people to see your card. I mean, your uh, offer, you, it, it's, it's a private thing and mm-hmm. it's, uh, and it shouldn't be divulged to anybody, but the agents themselves, that's it. Yeah. Still to come, we'll talk about uh, some of the properties that um, might lure Kawhi Leonard to stay or entice Kawhi Leonard to stay in Toronto. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about buying an older house and some of the uh, well, intricacies that go along with that. You're listening to the Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML. Welcome back. This is the Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin in studio with Rob Golfi and Philip Golfi, sales representatives with Remax Escarpment Realty, the Golfi team. Our special in-studio guest is Dan Guest from Guest Plumbing. We'll get to him in a matter of minutes. Don't forget, you can go online to robgolfi.com. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I.com. Call them anytime at 905-575-7700, at Rob Golfi on Twitter and Instagram, and check out the Rob Golfi Facebook page. A lot of great listings, photos, and uh, listings as well. Subscribe to the Hamilton Real Estate Show podcast wherever you download your favorite podcast. And you can send the team an email, questions at robgolfie.com. That email address is questions at robgolfie.com. Still to come, uh, trying to entice Kawhi Leonard to stay in Toronto. Game two of the NBA Finals is tonight. Game one was on Thursday. I'm sure uh, Scotiabank Arena is going to be rocking once again. Uh, Jurassic Park, Burlassic Park, Burlington opening up their uh, City Hall forecourt to... Uh, uh, to uh, a viewing party and a lot of other cities across the country doing the same. Um, we'll get to that in a second, but let's get to, uh, you know, buying an older house. You know, that's a choice that a lot of uh, buyers will make. You know, are they looking at a new build, something that's relatively new, or something that is old or, or very old, and there's some pros and cons with that. So here's a list of just some of the things that you might encounter when buying an older home, and basically some of those things and the expected costs that go along with it. Uh, roofs, Air conditioners, furnaces, boilers, if they have it, uh, basically the, the the guts of a house that you're going to rely on uh, in the you know the deep of winter or uh, uh, the, the midst of summer. And these are some of the things that eventually you're going to have to replace, whether it's you know a new roof with shingles, furnace, AC, uh, and those costs can range anywhere from you know a couple thousand to fifteen, twenty thousand dollars. Are these some of the things that people are thinking about when they're touring an older home? Absolutely. Actually, the best way to inspect a home is you actually hire the plumber, the roofer, the uh, the furnace guy, all that. That that is the proper way, but it gets too expensive, and it's too bad that uh, um, that our industry uh, hasn't uh, you know pushed the uh, those uh, professionals to do that because there's no money there and it's too expensive, and Mm -hmm. I understand that completely. But sometimes. Uh, we will hire like like 
like Dan here, like a plumber to come in and say, listen, we, this is an old house, you know, and it, it will have some galvanized plumbing and uh, we need uh, we need to get this looked at to see how serious it is. Because insurance companies, they don't like that kind of stuff. And, and if it's got to be changed. And the hard thing is a lot of stuff's behind the walls and you don't know what you, you're, you know, what you're looking at uh, behind the walls. But uh, but yeah, the. Uh, you know, the industry, th- those are things people are looking at, the, yeah. the major the major components. This would house. be no different than, you know, if there's uh, asbestos suspected in the home somewhere, you would call in an expert, obviously, to look at that, uh, right? Absolutely. There, during uh, early 2017, there was, uh, uh, what do you call it, um, asbestos and uh, uh, vermiculite insulation right, yes. yep. in the attic, uh, vermiculite. So people were bidding on homes not even taking a peek in the attic. Hmm. And a lot of them got stuck with vermiculite in- insulation. So f- it, it, so because they were bidding and they couldn't do the home inspection, so they threw their offer in. And, and if the, the, the winner was actually a loser because he ends up buying a house that right. needs uh, work of ten, twenty thousand $20,000 to get rid of this vermiculite because he's going to have a problem selling that house down the road, it, unless he sells it in the same market, it, it, you don't know, right? Mm-hmm. But so you got to be very careful, uh, you know, what you're buying out there. Another thing that people uh, are looking at are uh, foundation cracks and sloping floors. Now, sometimes, you know, the foundation crack you'll have, uh, you know, some minor cracks here and there. That's normal. Uh, sloping floor is that an alarm bell or a red flag? Uh, uh, older homes, like like century homes. I mean, you're going to get that. They're settling and everything. Uh, you need an engineer to go in there and, and to see. You know, like like you get sloping floors on on the main floor and, and and the second floor, you have to get an engineer there to look at it. And say, can can we straighten this out? We mm-hmm. have to lift the house up. Maybe on one end it's sagging, and uh, you will see that regardless in in century homes. Um, it, it it's it's tough. So somebody that's not used to, buy, like uh, older homes like that, they get scared right away. Uh, the people that grew up in older homes, I mean, they grew up. You know, uh, with uh, floors that are uneven and, you know, you, put, you you lay a ball on the floor and it's rolling down to the other <laughs> end of the house. Yeah. I mean, just how fast that ball is rolling. Then you know how, how, how the difference of, uh, of the, of the, of the level of flooring is. is. Yeah. yeah, Interesting. Uh, plumbing and electrical. Dan will know a thing or two about plumbing for sure. Electrical, you know, the knob and tube or the older style of wiring, that's certainly a cause for concern, especially if you want to make those repairs. Uh, but plumbing, you mentioned galvanized plumbing. Dan, what have you seen in your, in your day? Yeah, we see quite a bit of different things um, throughout the years of the homes uh, in their ages. So you have cast iron pipe that's coming in. Oh, that's, uh, um, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah from, a, from an original, you know, 1950s and, and whatnot. And then you also have some of the newer issues, which is Kitech plumbing, where there was a huge lawsuit on um, if your home was built about 15 years ago uh, in a new build application. So we're getting to... Uh, when we come into a home for a home inspection, we're having a lot of people call us actually at the, you know, once they've purchased it and said, these are what the things that we're thinking about and how can we properly do the new renovation. And, you know, we always, we always tell everybody to, to hire a licensed contractor that knows what they're doing. And, uh, you know, it's not always about pricing. A lot of it has to do with, you know, what are their credentials and, you know, what are the jobs that I've done and are they on, uh, are they available to, to follow up after the, after the fact. What's the most common thing that you see? Is it just the when people are renovating, they don't know what to do because they don't know what they're seeing? Yeah, this winter that just passed was really cold, and you know we had a couple basements that had to be completely redone because all the plumbing was on the outside walls. Um, the contractor, in a couple instances, it was a homeowner just bought a home last summer. Um, 
you know, brand new bathroom renovation in the basement and ended up, you know, having to rip it all apart because it wasn't properly done by, by a licensed contractor that Ouch. knows, uh, knows how to put the pipes in the walls. Yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really unfortunate because. What it, do you mean by pipes in the walls? Like, like, like if you can just explain that in terms of, you yes. know, inside the walls or outside the walls. Yeah. But so in a, in a basement, you can't have any, any water lines on an exterior wall. Um, a lot of people will come up to terms with um, putting, you know, insulation behind the pipes. But once that that wall is a cold zone, so it's a block wall, it's a foundation wall, um, we're finding that, you know, people are trying to insulate the pipes, but it, it, it acts as a cooler. So uh, think of cooler or, or um, uh, like you can get to the point of, you know, it's going to keep the wall cold, uh, mm-hmm. which ends up, you know, making the pipes freeze. <laughs> <laughs> so where should the pipes go then? I mean, if you have a basement laundry room or a bathroom. Yeah, you, you just have to, you have to lay the, the bathroom out properly so that it's on the interior wall. So it's not in that cold zone if there ever right. is a penetration. Um, so again, it comes to the contractor knowing how to lay the bathroom out. So you're not, you know, the plumber doesn't come in to do the work and he has to relay out the bathroom because it's not properly done. And then mm. uh, you get into a couple of people that, you know, they're not happy with the new layout because, right. you know, the contractor didn't know what he was talking about. But, you know, the people that we work with in the industry are, you know, very familiar with it. And we really drive it home um, to give the customer the proper expectation. So when you go to a house and, and, and usually you're at the point of, of, you know, when it comes to plumbing, everything's laid out, right? Everything's designed, everything's in place. Now, what's your position when you walk into a house and, and you know it's wrong, but everybody else has pushed the button on it? It's just kind of like, well, hey, listen, you know what risks you're taking. I'm willing to do the work, but if your pipes burst in, you know, six months or, or next winter, I'll come back and, and do it, but you're paying up. Is that the type of the type of position you have on it, or or is it something like you just you just you know you have to buy or be aware? Yeah, I think it's the the approach you take. Um, we use the term frost quake a lot, um, <laughs> so you know it's, it's never a problem until there's a frost quake. Um, so at the end of the day, like you really want to you want to take care of your client. You don't want to. For us, it's it's about those long term relationships and really you know serving the customer. So if you know you know just because a customer is okay with doing something wrong doesn't like we won't do it. Um, and it's not about, Hey, find someone else that will it's giving them the right information to make the, the educated decision to, you know, change their layout. And, you know, at this time it's, it's a very inexpensive thing. Um, which we're finding a lot of customers really understanding. Um, you know, when you tell someone that their basement can potentially flood, they're, they're pretty <laughs> reluctant to, uh, to go against your professional advice. And, uh, you know, all our, all our plumbers are licensed and, you know, have, have all the same knowledge and we have our own training programs to ensure that, you know, the customer really gets the service that they, that they require. So you're basically in that instance, providing the client with some options to say, Hey, if you go with option a, here's the potential for, you know, some major disaster and, and repairs, here's option B and maybe even option uh, C as well. Yeah. For us, it's, you know, in any industry, it's identify a problem and then, and then seek the solution. Um, so giving the client a couple different, you know, options that they may prefer. Um, and a lot of the times, like we see a lot of bathrooms, so sometimes they're better than their original layout anyway. (laughs) Um, So yeah, without, uh, like, you know, getting too much in terms of like upsetting the client, a lot of them can just, you know, a lot of them are relieved that you were able to to identify before, you know, you get a call Christmas Eve saying my basement's flooding. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the worst call I'm sure that the homeowner wants to make. Um, in terms of um, repairs and the costs associated with it, we, you know, we're talking about hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of jobs. Uh, the annual repair or the, the, the average repair job that you would have to, uh, you know, implement in a, in a disastrous, or we're talking tens of thousands of dollars? 
It really depends. Like I know with insurance companies now, um, a lot of the, the onus is put on the homeowner to, you know, if they're going away for the winter, like make sure you shut your water off and, and be home or have someone check the house. So, I mean, for us, like a lot, we have a lot of one hour service calls, um, you know, for us, for us, free hose ribs, uh, burst, you know, it takes about an hour. Um, so anywhere from, you know, 150 bucks to, to a thousand usually, um, we don't get a lot of, into a lot of repairs that are more than that. Mm-hmm. Unless, um, again, you have a full f- freeze in a home, but sometimes in older homes, like if, if someone's moved in, they'll have a cast iron stack that's cracked that needs replacement. Um, but we try to do a lot of our work with the contractor at the time of the renovation. Right. Um, again, you know, you give them, it might be a little bit more now, but down the road, you're not going to have to open walls or these are potential problems mm-hmm. that could happen, uh, to save the customer in the long run. We've had uh, a few hundred year storms of late in, in Hamilton, Burlington area. Uh, and that has forced a lot of people to be a little more proactive in terms of flood prevention, uh, piping and measures, right? Yeah. Yeah. The backwater valve program that the city put on was, was fantastic mm-hmm. for that. Um, it was good for the industry as well. Um, but also, you know, good for the homeowner, like, uh, to have a professional in your home, uh, especially if the city's willing to pay for it, to give you, you professional advice on, you know, other areas while they're there. Uh, it's a huge benefit. I know my friends and family take advantage of it when I'm around. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, you know, having, just asking that question and being, being available to, to answer their their questions mm-hmm. is, uh, is really good. But there's a maintenance component with that too. I mean, you don't just install it and then forget about it. Yeah, well, for I mean, sure. you can, but <laughs> <laughs> I think you do that with a lot of things. <laughs> you know, that's why we get oil changes and yeah. and rotate your tires. Right. Um, a lot of those things. Again, it's uh, you know, the yearly maintenance is just upkeep. Um, cost of owning a home. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're renting, you don't have to to take those costs. That's the landlord's uh, situation. But we we work a lot with landlords as well as homeowners to pretty much ensure that you, you know you're spending a couple hundred bucks a year on maintenance and and you don't get those $2000 bills uh you know every other year exactly uh, let's talk about uh, windows. So again, we're talking about buying an older home, and there's some pros and cons with that. Windows can be uh, a concern, but uh, you know sometimes it's something that, that the homeowner is willing to overlook at least for a while. People looking at windows. Yeah, I think the thing about windows is it goes with the character of the house. Like the old right. wood windows really, you know, define that old kind of century home, that character that they really give a given a you know an appeal and and go with it. And as soon as you put in those white vinyl windows on a you know an 100, 150 year old house mm-hmm. it doesn't look good Stands and out. i know people that you know there's a lot of people out there that have this kind of warm-hearted you know this you know this inspiration kind of connection with older homes whether it's in hamilton or across ontario i know there's a bunch of instagram accounts and facebook pages that you can follow that constantly post these old homes and uh they hate it when when somebody you know purchases these old homes and and kind of renovates them with a with a modern look right you know you you want to try and keep the old character of the house and and the wood windows include that but you know Again, with that, it, you know, you put in these new windows and your heating comes down and, and it's it, it, more energy efficient. But, yeah, there's always that, that kind of fine line you have to cross and kind of have to walk to, to keep that old charm of the house while, mm-hmm. while still keeping it updated and being energy efficient. Yeah, it's a delicate balance. And sometimes sometimes you just can't hit it because of the, the windows you want to install. Yeah. just doesn't go with it. But, yeah, house. windows are one of the biggest, you know, your biggest ticket items yeah. when it comes to owning a, a home, any home, whether it's old or new or, or, or whatever. You know, you can you can spend thousands, tens and thousands of dollars on, on updating your windows for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, is there a different kind of clientele that it's going to look at an older home as opposed to a newer home? Yeah. I mean, it depends. Like, you know, you, you, a lot of people like the, the, you know, the boxy kind of 
older charm. And then some people like these new flat roofs, all glass, mm. open concept, you know, concrete cement. Like it, it, it's just it's just different, right? I, I feel like um, as you as you become older, you have a little bit more love and and you know a little bit more attraction to the older style house. But I think when you're younger, you see all these you know these modern houses with the chic and the you know the glass, and and you kind of you know. There's a fine line, but yeah, it depends on your personal preference. Right. It's, it, you, some of these new modern houses that are going up are just, you know, the architecture and the in the what goes into them. You know, with the smart homes, and you can you can flush the toilet and go to the bathroom without even touching anything. Like it's just unbelievable. Like you get these, you know, these swimming pools in in the middle of your living room. It's just wild. So <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy what's going on with you know the way houses are built and the way they look now in comparison to even 20 years ago. It's it's you know completely you know revolutionized home building and and changed the industry mm-hmm. for sure uh, there there have been and and there are right now in Hamilton uh, very uh, you know stunning uh, rebuilds uh, some of them though stick out like a sore thumb because they're in areas where it's it's the only house like it and all the other ones are really old houses uh, there's one I think on Rymel or Stone Church that I mean it's just a gorgeous modern home but everything else is kind of stuck in the 30s and 40s and it just it really sticks out yeah i mean you see that everywhere right it, it's it's nice when you, you get the neighborhoods that they're all kind of have that unique right. style but as soon as you 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 see one of these houses and they, it really you know, stands yeah, out. It's, it yeah it sticks out like a sore thumb it's it's uh and everybody knows that house as that house yeah, right yeah uh when we come back we'll talk about uh, keeping Kauai in toronto and some of the things that uh, real estate agents really don't like you're listening to the hamilton real estate show on 900 chml Welcome back. This is the Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin with Rob Golfie and Philip Golfie, sales representatives with Remax Escarpment Realty, the Golfie team. Call them anytime at 905-575-7700. That's 905-575-7700. RobGolfie.com is the website. Rob, G-O-L-F-I.com. If you have a question for the Golfie team, you can send us an email. Questions at RobGolfie.com. That's questions at RobGolfie.com. And be sure to subscribe to the Hamilton Real Estate Show podcast wherever you get your favorite podcast. Still to come, we'll talk, talk about keeping Kauai in Toronto. Uh, but, uh, Phil, you had a, an issue about, uh, well, piping. for Yeah, day. clay pipes. A lot of the old Hamilton homes right now have, have these clay pipes. I know from my experience, I was in a position where um, I have a clay pipe in one of, one of my rental properties that's leaking or cracked. What's, what's the situation here? How do we prevent this? And what, what's kind of the steps we take from, from anybody that owns clay pipes? What's your advice? Yeah, we see it a lot in homes, uh, especially older homes. Um, a lot of the times when they're doing a renovation, if the you know it goes from cast iron to clay, so clay is usually the underground piping um, that gets used, and just over time, uh, tree roots, especially in Hamilton area, they just they end up breaking through the pipe, and then um, you just have to constantly get it maintained, which is you know getting it flushed. And now they have a couple different programs where you can actually get the pipes lined. Um, they they pull a liner through and then it's a, an epoxy based uh, solution to pretty much reline the pipe to make it you know as good as new um, or they have options where you can dig it up and, and replace it with the proper PVC or ABS piping so there's a lot of um, 
it's kind of if it's not broken, don't fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, because it is very expensive, uh, especially we were, you know, just at a location where we had to do uh, HydroVac um, because it was by a deck. Um, so, you know, you always have to call Hydro One number uh, to get located so you're not hitting gas lines or electrical. And then, you know, again, have a licensed contractor take care of it for you. Um, because it isn't just, uh, you know, dig it up and replace it. <laughs> so you say, you know, if, if it's not broken, don't fix it. But what are the warning signs that will say it is broken or you have an issue? Yeah, so we do, um, we can do annual camera inspections as well as um, we, we work alongside a, a power flushing company. So what that is, uh, you know, high pressure hose that um, actually shoots water backwards through the pipe to uh, to ensure that it's cleaned out um, for tree roots and, and you know, build up a sludge and, mm-hmm. and other things that go down the, the toilet. Um, but over time, it just, you know, it is maintenance on a home. Newer homes with, with PVC and ABS already upgraded, it's still a good idea. Um, I wouldn't say annually, but semi-annually uh, makes makes the most sense for us that we find. And then that, you know, really just avoids those big, big problems in the future. So uh, are these are these pipes going to the municipal supply? This is from the home to... The city supply? Yeah, so the city will, will replace up to the property line, and then you're responsible from the property line to the home. I see, okay. Um, and then we the, the sump pump, right? Oh, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, you had a question about the sump yeah. pump. Yeah, I remember I had, uh, who was telling me this? Um, I had a guy, and he's uh, somewhat some kind of contractor. <laughs> <laughs> Jack <laughs> told me to bury the, uh, the pipe of the sump pump, and like the, the pipe that goes, and he says, bring it out. Uh, under the sidewalk into the front lawn and then have some stone there and I'm kind of and I, I'm thinking of my, to myself I, like yes it can freeze and then you got major problems then you got water pumping it's not going to pump because it's backed up is, is that correct or yeah so what happens is um, you know anytime you have a, a water line outside um, potential again with the frost quake um, you, have, you have a lot of opportunity for them to be a, a big problem. So what we've done in the past with, you know, to his point, he's not completely uh, wrong. Uh, but what we do is we make a, uh, an air gap of a connection. So pretty much you have a pipe going into another pipe that's larger size. Um, and then if there was ever a freeze, it wouldn't affect your, your sump pump, which means, you know, again, if your basement is getting some water and your weeping tiles are working properly, um, you won't end up with the water in the house because the sump pump's burnt out because it's, you know, it's pumping water to nowhere because the line's frozen. Hmm. What's your most common call, Dan? Is it a repair job? Is it, hey, we, we want to do a reno? W- to be honest with you, like, we have the opportunity to work on a lot of different different areas. Um, we do small commercial as well as a lot of small residential. So, you know, we, we do a lot of toilets, um, you know, fixing taps, fixing leaks, um, but we also, like, we, we do maintenance for a lot of the restaurants in the city, which is, you know, a great opportunity to be involved in, in the core um, as well as the surrounding areas. Um, so they yeah. pay, we pay you with free food or? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know what my guys are doing when I'm not around. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it, it's, uh, it's great to be involved in, in such a great community and, and being involved in kind of really what's popping off downtown and. Um, you know, yes, we get to try all the new food, you know, <laughs> we're, we're, we're there for some of the tasting nights. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think, you know, majority of the calls are small. Um, again, you call a professional and, and it's done quickly. Um, you know, we try to make ourselves as available as possible and obviously prioritize emergencies when people do, you know, have things, um, that they need to take care of right away. And so a leaky tap, I've heard some of these horror story water bills from, you know, a toilet that, that doesn't shut off or a leaky tap, you know, how much have you seen this change or how much, you know, what's the swing in terms of, of, of money that this can 
save you from something not leaking or and then what's you know what's the quick fix for it i think a lot of the times it's that people don't have the knowledge of what their water bill is supposed to be um you know especially with a with a faulty toilet you look at you know getting a new um you know efficiency high efficiency toilet and um can save them a, a ton of money and you know sometimes pay the, pay for themselves within a year we're going to get to uh, more from Dan Guest uh, from Guest Plumbing, uh, including his website and phone number as well. So stay tuned for that. We'll also talk about keeping Kauai in Toronto and some of the properties that um, are not being offered to him, but might entice him to stay. This is the Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML. Last go round here on the Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin with Rob Golfie and Philip Golfie, sales representatives with Remax Escarpment Realty, the Golfie team. We also have Dan Guest from Guest Plumbing in studio with us today. Go online to robgolfie.com. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I.com. Call them anytime at 905-575-7700. Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to subscribe to the Hamilton Real Estate Show podcast on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, or wherever you get your favorite podcast. Past episodes on Rob golfie.com and 900chml.com and if you have a question for the golfie team you can email questions at robgolfie.com again that email address is questions at rob uh, rob send us a question or a topic idea you would like us to tackle on a future program uh dan guest from guest plumbing is our special in-studio guest phone number and website that people can get more info yeah we're just uh, guestplumbing.com as well as uh we're fo- followed on instagram at, at guest plumbing no phone number yeah, it, 905. No one's going to remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but give it to us. Yeah, just, just, just go on the website. Okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, very it's easy. Guest Plumbing. Uh, easy. Yeah, www.guestplumbing.com. Keep it simple. Excellent. Phil, you had a question? Yeah, so uh, my next question is, obviously, you've built a very successful business very fast. You've kind of, you decided to get away from, you know, what you called the, the union and, and hop on on your own. What would be your advice for for a young plumber, somebody who, who might just be graduating or somebody who was in your position kind of working for the union in terms of, you know, somebody who, who, who wants to go on their own or, or, or whatever. What, what's, what was, you know, your biggest advice when you first started or, or that you can pass down to somebody else starting out now? Yeah, I think that's a lot more of the information that you can do in, uh, in one podcast. <laughs> but, um, you know, a lot of it comes down to, you know, what are your, what are your goals, what are your morals, and, and what's the end result for, for what you want to be? I mean, um, for us, we're, we're up to uh, a good number of staff now with 12 guys in the field. But um, for us, it's how to serve the customer better. Um, for, for anyone coming up uh, in the industry, I would, I would say the same. Like, you know, where do you, what do you enjoy? Um, you know, I love what I do. I love coming up coming to work every day, uh, seeing my office staff, meeting my team, um, you know, being able to meet customers for me is a big part. Um, <laughs> when I was in the field and, you know, you're working on a job site with 300 guys, uh, it's, you know, it's the same, same jargon every day. Um, <laughs> whereas, you know, I get to meet guys like, like Phil, yourself and Rob and, and the team here. And I think, um, you know, being able to kind of get out in, in the city and, and meet all these you know, interesting people with different stories is one of the big things for me that I've, I've really benefited from. For years, we've been hearing about the skill trades gap in this country. Do we need more plumbers? Yeah, for sure. Um, there's, there's always a need. Um, 
you know, skilled and people that want to work, people that want to do, um, do things that some people find, uh, find hard or challenging. And Mm -hmm. this is like, you know, we're not just talking about fixing toilets. We're, you know, building health facilities and, and schools and, and malls and things like that, where it's, it is the next level of, you know, high efficiency. Um, we're talking about the ecosystem and giving back and, you know, it all stems with the trades. Um, you know, how do you build those buildings that are high efficiency? How do you build those houses that have, you know, boiler systems where you're not, you know, your water bill is not out the, out the yin-yang. Yeah. So one of the things about Dan and his business is he has this 24-7 hotline. That's been extremely beneficial to, to my family and our business. And, you know, whenever something happens, we were always like, yeah, call Dan, call Dan. And I'm like, if, if the office doesn't answer, I remember he said on the show, it goes right to a cell phone. So <laughs> we were, it was Mother's Day, right? And, uh, and, and, you know, my sister's boyfriend, Jordan, you know, had this pipe burst. And I go, call, you know, Google Dan Guess or Guess Plumbing and call the number. I go, it's going to go right to a cell phone. <laughs> so we're all sitting around Mother's Day and, and sure enough, you know, Dan picks up the phone and, and right away, somebody there within 20 minutes. So if you just want to touch on the hotline, I know it's, you know, it's extremely beneficial to us. We, we give his number to all our customers and clients. And, you know, he's been at our office helping us out. And it's, you know, widely important to have kind of that access and, and that contact. And if you just want to touch on that. Yeah, for us, it's about being available. Um, you know, uh, having that number. I mean, hopefully in the near future, I can have someone else answer the phone. <laughs> but uh, a lot of the times, it's uh, it's just like if you called Rob's uh, Rob's team, right? You get you get someone on the phone that's a professional at what they do. Um, we feel that's more important than giving it to a call service. Um, and the other thing is, you know, it's it's 2019, almost 2020, and everyone's got their phone on them. So yeah. uh, if they're not answering, then yeah, you know, they're ignoring. We, we, we say the same thing every single time, and in every yeah. single one of our listing appointments, we say, "Hey, listen, if you're going to call us, you're going to you're going to get us, no matter what what time it is." Mm-hmm. So. It's uh, it's important. Hey Dan, you ever get any lonely people calling in the middle of the night? <laughs> <laughs> they just yes. want to chat. They just want to chat. <laughs> Once or twice. <laughs> uh, real quick before we end the show, uh, we've been talking about uh, keeping Kawhi Leonard in Toronto. So there's four properties. Uh, there's an eight million dollar uh, pad in Toronto, an eight point five million dollar property in Oakville. $35 million property in Toronto and uh, s- nearly 6.5 in Mississauga. Real quick around the horn, I know only, only got a minute or so. Does Kawhi Leonard stay in Toronto after this season? Uh, I don't know. I, 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 yes hope no, so. I hope so, <laughs> but it, it, give him whatever he wants is my okay. position, whatever whatever it takes. All right, Dan, what do you think? Uh, I just want Rob to sell him that house. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah get, you got your work cut out for you, Rob. Let's go. <laughs> Rob, Rob, what do you think? Um, you know what? They're going to have to you know, d- uh, dig deep in their pockets to pay him, and I think uh, for him to stay in Toronto, he'll have to take a lot more money than – than if if he went to a U.S. city right. instead, like it's like I I hope they give him a lot of love in Toronto with uh, you know the teammates and mm-hmm. everything. They're probably convincing him. Listen, this is a great city. Yeah, let's let's stick around. So and it is should be fun to watch, guys. Uh, enjoy uh, the rest of the weekend, and we'll catch you next Saturday at nine right here on the Hamilton Real Estate Show on nine hundred CHML.